Father, I believe that you hear that prayer. That in this Christian journey, on this Christian journey, that you would walk every step. Not only are you walking with us, you've walked the path before us. And we're following in your footsteps. Lord, I pray that we, you would heighten our sense of awareness of your presence going with us, going before us, going behind us, going above us, going beneath us. You surround us with your glory, with your power, with your love, with your peace, with your grace, giving us strength to keep going, give us, giving us strength to endure. Lord, this journey is, it feels long and it feels hard and it gets real sometimes. Sometimes we wear out our shoes, but God, um, you sustain us. You keep us. We love you, Lord. We give you thanks, honor, and praise. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, y'all. I started to pull a pastor down and be like, stay up there, young people, but I ain't going to do it. Hey, you guys. All right, so before I get um, before I get going, I just want to say, y'all are my family, and I'm just going to be 100% honest with you. I am exhausted. I have preached, this is my fifth different sermon in 48 hours, and I'm, I, I did a youth retreat, but I just, I literally feel like I'm going to be in and out. And so... Um, uh, the worship team were sing- was singing uh, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here And it, w- it was saying like um, Let us become more aware of your presence uh, Let us experience the glory Of your goodness And it really hit me that I've Here right now The only, only way I've been sustained Over the past several I mean it was two days But over the past several like Ministry season like, It felt like ministry seasons each day <laughs> It's literally by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. I couldn't do it in and of my own strength. I'm completely weak. I'm completely frail. I'm completely broken. And the only way I'm standing here is because of God's grace. And I, I when we, we talk about like seeing God's glory, um, what's the words? Holy Spirit, you're welcome. You're going to flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, Lord, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome with your presence, Lord. And the line, your glory, Lord, is what our hearts long for stuck out to me today like crazy and I just started thinking about 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 when Paul is talking about the old covenant which is the law versus the new covenant which is the covenant of life and peace given to us through Jesus and when uh, God gave Moses the 10 commandments up on the mount he had to veil his face because the glory of God was radiating off of him and if the Israelites were to look upon him they'd literally like drop down they couldn't handle it but what Paul was saying is like look if the glory of the old covenant was that great how much more glorious is the glory of the new covenant that gives us life that gives us peace that gives us freedom that gives us access to the spirit and whereas the Israelites had to have veiled faces we can look upon the glory of God with unveiled faces and not only can we look upon the glory of the Lord with unveiled faces he's transforming us into the image and the likeness of his son from glory to glory to glory and I'm, I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad about it. Anybody glad about that today? That we can look and behold the glory of the Lord and it's making us more like God. I don't know. Maybe I'm exhausted and like delirium is taking in. But it's just, it's so good. And we're going to be talking about eternal glory today. Okay. So we have a new sermon series. It's called Walk This Way. Y'all heard the, um, I think that was just the Aerosmith only version of Walk This Way. 
Yeah, so we had the Aerosmith version of Walk This Way. They had a later version with Run DMC in it, um, and it was kind of cool. So the word walk in um, in the Bible is, especially in the New Testament, when they're using the word walk, they're using it to describe every, like the Christian life, how to live your Christian life. So throughout the next five weeks, we're going to be going through ways to live your everyday Christian life. And so why walk this way? Well, walking can be one of the more mundane things of life. Most of us were able to walk before we were like two years old or something. And most of us walk without giving much thought to it. It's the most regular thing about us until it's not. Sickness or injury can completely change the way that we think about our ability to walk. And so walk, like I said, walk is a word used in the New Testament to talk about our everyday Christian lives. And much like our natural walking, it's easy for the everyday Christian walk to be taken for granted. So for example, I was, I I was training for a half marathon in November, uh, the fall, summer and fall of 2016. And I went to get to the fancy running store in Carytown and got some new shoes. Because I was like, man, my knees are hurting, my hips are hurting, it must be like my shoes cost $40, and I bought them 10 years ago when I was an undergrad. And um, the guy was like, hey, actually, you're overpronating. And so what that means is, um, I like my feet turn in like this, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I have more pressure on my ankles, and I'm flat-footed as a mug. Like, literally, if you saw my footprint after I get, um, like if I would go swimming and I'm, on the sand, my footprint is like Daffy Ducks. It's like a platypus. My foot is completely, completely flat. And so um, when I actually ran the half in 2016, I, I had a lot of, I don't know if anybody remembers, but I was limping around at church for a few weeks. I mean, and just all of my like stuff was out of alignment. Um, But here's the thing. So when planning for a marathon or a 5K or even an evening jog, that makes us think about our gait. It makes us think about the way that we're walking. And for me, um, I thought about it a lot when I was training for that race. But if I hadn't run the race, I'm pretty sure that those issues would have turned up over time. And they say overpronation can cause like bunions, like just a lot of weird stuff like hip pain, uh, ankle pain, knee pain. And so it would have happened uh, eventually. But if I had known earlier, like when I was just starting walking, maybe I could have been more attentive to the areas that needed attending. And maybe I could have run that half marathon with no, with no injury. Here's the, here's the point that I'm trying to make. There's going to be times in our, different, in our spiritual lives when we're, we have to run a marathon, when uh, the lives that we're living take a lot of effort, when we need to gear up for a race, or there might be something that knocks us off of our spiritual feet. And I want us to take the time to um, really like evaluate our gait, to evaluate the way that we walk, so that when marathon time comes, we can run without injury. When sprinting time comes, we can run without injury. I want to focus, we want to focus in on everyday life, not the big stuff, not the flashy stuff, but our everyday lives as we live them as followers of Jesus so that we can make the adjustments necessary to minimize our risk. Okay, so there are a bunch of key verses that have walk in them. My verse is, we walk by faith and not by sight. From 2 Corinthians 5 and chapter 7. But uh, Shaquem, can you put up, uh, I'm going to read it in... uh, 
the word context. Yes. Okay. So we're going to start at the beginning of second Corinthians five. And it says, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this tent, we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for the very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, I'm going to give you all some background for this passage, because the wording could be type confusing. Paul is talking about tents, and then building houses, and being naked, and then being clothed. Hopefully I can break it down. Okay. So Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthian church, right? This is, um, and in this letter, he's acknowledging that the bodies we have, like literally our flesh and blood bodies, are very weak. But they hold a vast, wonderful treasure. And that treasure that they hold is the Holy Spirit and the message of the gospel that Jesus came into the world in glorious light and the darkness could not overtake it. That's beautiful, that's lovely, wonderful. But here's the problem, and it's twofold. Our earthly bodies physically still feel pain, right? We're still on this world. We're still subject to pain. If somebody cuts us, do we not bleed? If somebody smacks us, do we not weep, get a welt? So at this time, in this time in the life of the church and at this place, the church was being persecuted for their faith. Remember, they had these weak bodies that were holding this beautiful treasure. Paul refers to our weak bodies as jars of clay and the Holy Spirit and the message of the gospel as a beautiful treasure being housed inside the jars of clay. But this church was being persecuted for having the beautiful treasure. So the church is being persecuted for their faith and, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. It's not up there. Uh, it says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. There's a great and glorious treasure down on the inside, but man, were they taking a beating for it. The other side of the problem is that our earthly bodies are actually weak. So we just talked about the physical weakness. That's like an exterior, like... Weakness, But there's also an interior weakness that we have to deal with with our earthly bodies. Not only are they subject to break under physical pressure, but when, but when surrounded by temptations on every side, we're prone to be drawn away by our own lusts and enticed. So Paul is saying, look, these outward bodies are wasting away, definitely. But we have a hope in the eternal glory that is yet to be revealed. Body, we have a, a body coming that isn't going to be subject to pain or to spiritual weakness. Okay, so we get to chapter, we're in verse, chapter 5, verse 1. Paul is comparing our earthly bodies and the glorified bodies we'll get in the coming kingdom. Uh, to he's, he's making an analogy like tents and houses. But this is a real thing. I want y'all to catch this. There was like some people trying to convince the Corinthians that... Um, after death, we'll be like going around as disembodied spirits, like 
floating around in heaven or someplace else. And Paul is like, no, you're actually going to have a body. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be glorified. When we all get to heaven, we're going to have actual bodies. We're going to look at our hands that they look new. Look at our feet. They look new too. It's an analogy like the earthly body is to a tent. What a glorified body is to a house built by a hand by the hands of God. So literally, it's a tent compared to not just a regular house built by a contractor or a carpenter or whoever like majored in building houses. It's a it's a house built literally by the hands of God. So, he's saying that this house, this body is pretty raggedy and you only kind of want to stay in a tent when like if you want to go camping if you're that type of person, but who wouldn't want to live in a house made by the hands of God. That's the most awesome house in the world, literally the best house ever. So Paul is encouraging them in their knowledge and expectation for a greater body. He's like, y'all, y'all are absolutely right. When you're in this body, you're away from the Lord. You should want to be present with the Lord. It's good that you realize that this earthly body isn't, like, this isn't the end. Congratulations. Awesome. This, a a glorious coming that blows all of your suffering, all of your weakness, all of your pain completely out of the water. The groaning that you have in your soul, the expectation, that's a good thing. It's even a great thing. In fact... The spirit that lives inside you, remember you're the jar of clay, and that beautiful treasure that lives inside of you, is it's a down payment on that beautiful house that's coming. It's a down payment on the fullness of what's to come. Oh, what great joy. Oh, what great gladness. Even though we're away from the Lord when we're in this body, we know there's a day that's going to come when we're going to be present with him. Cool. The passage is only part encouragement. The other part is admonishment. So Paul's admonishment, admonition starts in verse six. Can you put that up? Shotgun says, "So we know. So we are always of good courage." Yeah. All right. It says, "So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So whether we are at home or away, yep. So whether we are at home or away." We make it our aim to please him. See, I gave away my points. Can y'all see what's highlighted? Whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Okay, so what does this mean for us? Y'all. Yes, a great glory is coming. We're going to get glorified bodies. We're going to have a house made by the hands of God. We're going to be singing and shouting all day. Our labor is not going to be in vain. It's going to be the biggest, best worship session ever. We're going to have fruit that just completely satisfies and we won't ever overeat. Great. But our aim still, whether we are at home or away, is to please God. Right? So he says, walk by faith and not by sight. But hit it. When when the Bible uses the word walk, he's talking about your Christian lives. He's not saying sit down by faith and then do nothing else by sight. He's saying live out your life by faith. We still have an obligation to live out our lives. Live a daily Christian walk every single day. And here's, y'all may be like, okay, I get it. Here's the thing. Has anybody ever heard of the, the term senior spring? Okay. So a couple of people have heard the term senior spring. Senior spring is a term used to describe a high school senior's general lack of interest in doing the work of the final semester. All right, you're in 12th grade, right? You've already gotten accepted into the school you're going to go to. It's April. 
You know what I'm saying? You've already signed your thing. They've accepted you. You have a couple of exams left. But really, why bother? It's already been sealed. Like, I'm going to go to Longwood. I'm going to go to UVA. I can't be bothered. Why am I still doing vocabulary lists? It doesn't matter. So this usually happens. Senior spring usually happens after graduation plans are solidified. And your mind is someplace else already. And you don't feel the need to maintain the same level of academic rigor. And some of us, myself included, act like all of my Christian life, all of my Christian walk is senior spring. So, oh, the promise of future glory is certain. And the world is going to hand in a, to go into hell in a handbasket anyway. I'm just going to forget about my responsibility as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. I'm going to check out. I'm looking at my neighborhood. I'm looking at the state of the world. I'm looking at what the media is reporting, and it doesn't seem like it's getting better. I just am going to just exist. I'm going to glory anyway. Why bother? Why put forth any effort? Why still strive? There's no point. Or... You could be saying, oh man, I'm suffering because of my faith. My friends and my family have rejected me. Since I know glory is coming and is promised, there's nothing I can do to unsnatch, to snatch myself out of the hand of God. I can stop sharing the gospel with others. Phew, that's a load off. Or you can say, yeah, my flesh is pretty weak in a lot of areas. I'm stumbling a lot in this area and I'm stumbling a lot in that area. But you know what? I can't obey Like, let's just accept that. I'm just going to wait for the kingdom of God to come to earth and live my life here on earth how I want to. Hashtag holiness where? All of that is actually walking by sight, but with a Christian spin. We have faith for the big thing. We have faith for the eternal glory, but not faith that God is able to sustain us, to make us holy, or even change our community or our world in a quantifiable slash visible way in our lifetime thank you (laughs) so you might be saying okay all right okay all right cool so how do i live a life that pleases god simple the verse says it walk by faith hebrews 11 says without faith it's impossible to please god cool so how do i live a life of faith the first answer that I came up with, I feel like the Holy Spirit gave it to me. I didn't want to hear it. That's how I know the Holy Spirit gave it to me. Obedience. Boom, right back to it. Y'all thought we got away. We have not. We live lives of faithful obedience and submission to God because we have faith in a God that we can't see and that his will is superior to ours. And he's orchestrating all things and working all things together for the good of those who love him. And that includes you and that includes me. Living a life of faith is building my identity on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ. And that's that I am a dearly loved son or daughter, saved through grace and called to join the work of Jesus, of being light in darkness. Living a life of faith is being a good steward of all my resources, of my time, of my treasure and my talents, acknowledging everything I have comes from God and it belongs to him anyway. A life of faith is marked by generosity and hospitality. Living a life of faith is being the same person in private that you are in public. It's living openly and transparently. Living a life of faith is being submitted to authority even when you disagree. You might be saying, sheesh, that's a tall order. And bands, you guys can come back up. I'm about to be finished. I got like three sentences left. 
You might be saying, that's, the, that's a tall order. I can't do all that. And you're right. In your own strength and power, you literally cannot do any of that. Remember, we're jars of clay. Easily broken. We're pretty weak. But remember that great glorious treasure that's inside? That down payment on the house that's built by the hands of God? The Holy Spirit is faithful when we're not. It's making us holy even when we can't find a way to be holy. Second Corinthians 3 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. All that we have to do do. All that's required of us is to but yield to the Spirit's leading. So we're about to have communion. Oh, it is up here. And the table is a constant reminder that when we were weak, when we couldn't even think of a way to be rescued, Jesus Christ rescued us. I just completely rescued us, made a way when there was no way. When we were on our way to a life separated from God, with no way of closing the gap, God himself closed the gap for us. This table reminds us of our need. It reminds us of our weakness. It's a reminder that when we can't hold up our end of the deal, the power of Christ more than makes up for the difference. It's a reminder of our weakness and a reminder of the great strength that the power of God has placed within us. 1 Corinthians 11 says, For I have received of the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. Drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You are proclaiming that Jesus Christ died for you and died for the world so that we might have access to him, so that we might have power to live lives that are holy, lives that are set apart. Communion service, if y'all could come up. I'm going to keep reading. It says, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, ah, excuse me. so then my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should eat all together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. Y'all, all that's to say, yo, this is a serious thing. This is for people who are admitting I'm a sinner and I'm in need of help. I'm in need of saving. I don't have the strength of my own. That's what it means to discern the body of Christ. You're saying, I don't have power for, of myself. I recognize that the only power, the only way I could do any good, the only good at all is Jesus Christ, our Lord. What an amazing God. Would you clap your hands again? Amen.
Wow. That's so simple but yet so profound. I am. I had the privilege today to just sit outside and watch people come in here and watch people go and watch the police roll up and arrest somebody. I just want to say, please, you are not here by mistake today. Uh Whatever you need Jesus to be, he already is. Great day, I'm preaching Uh now. I am. That's who he is. And when he hung on that tree, he knew exactly what you needed. When he went into that grave, He knew exactly what you needed. Mm -hmm. And when he came up out of that grave, he knew exactly what you needed. So please don't leave here today without making sure that you have the I am exalted in your life. Because he has a plan for you. What's our last song? He'll never change. There we go. He'll never change. Go ahead and smile at somebody and say, Don is not that smart. (laughs) Come on now. Let's worship God. Woo!